Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. You're listening to Straight Note Chaser on Dogs by Nature. I mean, obviously, you know, it's nice to every to like your your work and stuff to be noticed. But, uh, you know, it's practice. And uh, that was my goal was to just come out and, uh, you know, show what I can do. Uh, do whatever I can to make the team and, and help the team win. And I feel like I've done that so far. And I'm just looking to continue to improve every day. And just, uh, you know, whenever I get my opportunities, um, the rest of camp or, or whether that's in season in the game is to just go, go out and produce. Now, here's your host, my dad, Thelonious7. My dogs by nature family, I hope this transmission finds you well. My name is Thelonious7, and you're listening to Straight No Chaser on Dogs by Nature Radio. Maurice Bassett Award winner Harrison Bryant at the top of the show, preaching on the virtues of production. When players like him step up and earn it, it says a lot about the direction of the team. And I don't think this front office group is perfect by any stretch, but I certainly feel very positive about our future in Cleveland. But today I am joined by a fan representative from a team whose outlook is questionable to say the least. Phil Smith, or Phil the Filipino, is the host of the Wake Fort podcast and a contributor to the Jaguars Wire. He has been swamped in recent days with the movements of the Jaguars organization, so we're fortunate to hear from him today on Dogs by Nature Radio. Hey, what's up, guys? Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino here from the Believe in the Jaguars podcast. Super excited to be uh, making this appearance on the Dogs by Nature Network, specifically Straight No Chaser. Thanks so much for reaching out and uh, getting an opportunity to talk about my Jaguars here. You can find the podcast at Believe.com, and we're Believe in the Jaguars. That's B-L-E-A-V. I also host a pop culture podcast called The Wait For It Podcast, which you can also find pretty much anywhere you subscribe to your podcast. Bill, it's great to have you in the Straight No Chaser studios. I know that the situation in Jacksonville is a bit fluid. I'm excited to hear your responses, so let's get into it. So it's nice to hear from Florida, and I really hope that you guys are staying safe down there. But to start off with, how do you think that Jacksonville has handled the NFL's new normal? Do you anticipate having fans in attendance at home contests? I feel like the Jaguars have handled this whole COVID stuff pretty well. Of course, the real test is going to be when these teams start to travel, right? We've seen baseball kind of, you know, be a little bit all over the place and people wondering if even that season is going to continue and what happened with the Marlins and the Cardinals and stuff like that. We definitely hope that that doesn't replicate itself with the NFL. We will definitely see. I know the Jags were one of the teams that were not affected by some of the false positives and some of the tests that were going out. So that's a good sign. They were using a separate company that luckily did not have any of those issues. 
I believe as of right now, they are planning on having the stadium at 25% capacity. We will see how that goes. Hopefully, everybody is able to follow the rules and just enjoy themselves and have a good time. Um, I know there's that joke out there, especially in our fan base running, where, well, 25% capacity is what we run at anyway, uh, which simply is not true. I know there is a perception out there of the Jaguars having issues selling out stadium, sta- selling out the stadium, selling out games. That's simply not the case. We're just as passionate about our team as I'm sure Cleveland Browns fans are, and I'm sure you guys can really uh, understand and appreciate a team that has a lot of false narratives out there, and I, that's definitely not the case with the Jaguars. The false narratives absolutely abounded here in Cleveland. And I'm starting to get a ton of sympathy for your franchise in general. In Cleveland, though, it's a little bit hard because many of what I was calling false narratives is kind of just me being in denial of how awful it was in Cleveland. It's crazy to hear about 25% capacity in Jacksonville. As we're headed there November 29th for a Week 12 showdown. I just talked to Matt O'Leary of the Jets, uh, Just Jets podcast, and he talked about how upset he was at the unfairness of different standards for fan attendance. Right now, Cleveland is at 2%, and I'm curious to see how this issue is resolved long term and if the NFL will step in at some point. All right, but let's get into some football questions. Hey, I got to ask, what's the fan base feeling about the Yannick and Gakwe trade? Do you think this was fair value? What does this signify for the defense and the organization in general? As far as the Yannick and Gakwe trade, I know at first when uh, a lot of fans were clamoring and hashtag PayYan was trending for a very, very long time, we definitely recognized as a fan base that he had outperformed his initial rookie contract and had also formed himself into one of the best edge rushers in the entire league. However, because of what Tom Coughlin did and because of the breakdown of the communication, that's where, that's why we ended up where we are today. And it, I was personally very sad to see him go. I was holding out some semblance of hope that he would possibly reconcile with the front office, but unfortunately that did not happen. The longer that this took, with the less hope we held out that they were going to get a first-round pick. Ultimately, that's what we wanted, but it just never came to fruition. A second and a conditional fifth, which should go up to, I believe, a third or a fourth-round pick based on the deal, I think is probably the best that they were going to get. Um, The fact that he took $6 million less to sign with the Vikings just shows that he just did not want to be here anymore. Um, I, I definitely think what it signifies is that they're very, very much excited about Josh Allen and Caleb on Chason, who was our second pick in the first round out of LSU, uh, another defensive lineman who was really, really taken to Josh Allen. You guys, you can see them working on the side, working together. You can see that Josh Allen learned a lot from Calais Campbell, and he's going to be implementing that into this young core that we now have here. Um, I'm very, very excited about uh, that future and really the front seven in general Um, overall I think the fans were happy to see him go because you know how NFL fan bases can be they're all about you and you know support you and until you you seem to turn on them and unfortunately there was a a, an ugly back and forth with Jan and um, I don't not necessarily a fan base but of course with Tony Khan that made rounds over the offseason that definitely was not a good look Um, but overall I'm I'm happy that we are now moving past it and they can now focus on the future It's always good to have closure, 
but it kind of sucks to have to imagine a future without one of your best players. And I'm not really sure what to think about quarterback Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew put up eye-popping numbers as a rookie gunslinger. But is he a player that the organization can build around? Or is he just a placeholder? How good can the offense be under his leadership? Yeah, Gardner Minshew, right? The uh, <laughs> the uh, the gem, the, the Cinderella of Jacksonville. Um, listen, as far as from a personality standpoint, he's pretty much everything you would want in a starting quarterback, right? He's able to um, familiarize himself with the fan base and also relate to them in ways that I don't think uh, Blake Bortles ever was able to do. I think that, that Blake Bortles was the guy that we wanted to, you know, relate with but you know he's you know he's just six foot four quarterback you know for with this with great pedigree he had the look of a starting NFL quarterback right where Minshew is a little bit more Jacksonville style you know a gritty underdog and I'm very much uh, happy that they have committed to him this year they they pulled off the trade for Nick Foles which nobody thought that we could do um, I, I was never in that camp I always uh, thought that they can, and if any NFL team can move money around any way they see fit, and that's what they were able to do with Nicole. So I'm glad that he is now the guy. He will get this opportunity, and I know he's of course immensely popular with the fan base, and as he should be, he brought a lot of uh, excitement to the team when they're, you know, when we probably, other than that, we didn't really have a whole lot to be excited about outside of him and Josh Allen, maybe DJ Chark. You can also make that argument as well. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sold that he can be a guy that you can build a team around. Um, of course, we're going to learn a lot this year. They play three of the top five defenses in the second half of the season uh, between, I believe, the Ravens. Um, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I know they, they play some really, really um, tough defenses. And we're going to learn a lot about him, uh, which is why the, the Leonard Fournette thing is, is a little questionable, which I'll get to here in just a moment. However, they have invested in the offensive line and also in his weapons as far as receiver. They bring in LaVisca Chenault, who the front office loves. They have been adamant that if LaVisca Chenault had come out last year, he would have been one of the first three receivers taken. And uh, based off injury, of course, he did not get that opportunity. I think LaVisca plays faster than he shows, uh, than his 40 times showed. I believe he was also hurt at the uh, NFL Combine, which um, a little bit of speculation about that. Um, but I think that the offense can be really, really good. He's got a little bit of a young Brett Favre in him, and that's the comp- that's the comparison that I've used. If you you go and look look at the tape, specifically that Denver Broncos game, you see a lot of that gunslinger mentality, and I, I think he definitely has the opportunity. The the issue is that you have a draft coming up where you have some of the best quarterback prospects, specifically Trevor Lawrence, that we've seen in a very, very long time. I think some analysts have said he's the best quarterback prospect to come out since Andrew Luck. So if the team goes 6-10, and 7-9, middling around the pack, do you then hand the keys over permanently to a guy like Gardner Minshew, or all of a sudden is the head coach Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell, the general manager, out of a job, and a new guy gets to come in and choose a guy like Trevor Lawrence who they can then he can then attach you know, their wagon to, essentially. So I think... Their team is going to have to go at least 500, and, and Gardner's going to have to have a top, He's going to have to be a top 12 quarterback. That's what my co-host over on the Believe in the Jaguars podcast, James Johnson, he's at sportsgrind underscore Don. He's also the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire of USA Today. He thinks he has to be somewhere statistically in the category of a top 12 quarterback. 
for them to consider passing on a guy like a Trevor Lawrence, which they now have the draft capital to maneuver because they now have four picks in the first two rounds. I think that Minshew looks like a starting quality NFL quarterback. Whether he's a top 12 quarterback is something that remains to be seen. But finding a guy who's a starting quality quarterback for your roster is not the easiest thing to do, as any Cleveland fan will tell you. (laughs) Oh, speaking of Cleveland, I've heard some positive reports from your camp from our old buddy Joe the Show Showbert. Are those rumors true? How good is that defense going to be after losing, of course, some very key players? Listen, man, we're... uh... We're very excited about Joe Schobert. Uh, I know there is a portion of the fan base that is just writing it off because he came from y'all's organization. And to that, I say that's that's BS, man. He, listen, he's a pro bowler. He's a great leader. And he's going to be that that nice, calming leader that we've, we've lacked here in the last couple of years. Of course, we've had Calais Campbell. Now that he is gone, Joe is going to be looked at as a guy to be a leader of all of these younger players. Josh Allen, Caleb on Chase on. Miles Jack, Leon Jacobs, Quincy Williams, all these guys, C.J. Henderson even to a, to an extent, of course, coming uh, coming from Florida being our top 10 pick. I'm very excited about this acquisition, and I think the defense can be sneaky good depending on the development. Uh, you look at their, now the secondary, you think maybe, uh, especially in the safety position, uh, but you do have C.J. Henderson, of course, as I just mentioned. You have Trey Herndon, who, who did get better towards the end of the year. Um, he was thrown into an uh, unwinnable position after the Jaguars traded Jalen Ramsey, and you know he was expected to perform right away, and he did struggle a little bit, um, but he uh, he did get much better as the season went on. And then you have a guy like DJ Hayden, who is a top three nickel in this league, and I think people are trying are starting to finally realize that. When you have a guy like that being able to essentially somewhat anchor or um, lead your secondary that helps a lot especially young guys like Herndon and CJ Henderson so the front seven I think is going to be solid um, the the secondary um, requires a little bit of work and uh, we got Ronnie Harrison who is the safety out of Alabama who I think um, had some ups and downs definitely last year if you if you ask a lot of fans and analysts they would say he, he has definitely a ton to work on but that being said I think the defense has an opportunity to be sneaky good um, and definitely will show that we're heading in the right direction well, we really miss Joe Schobert here in Cleveland right about now. We missed him the whole time. I think our front office made the decision that they're not going to pay the position the big money, and it doesn't matter that Joe Schobert clearly deserved the contract. Uh, it wasn't in the cards for him, and I wish him the best of luck there. And in, in, um, I wish him the best of luck down in Jacksonville this year. I wish that guy well in every game except for the one against the Browns, unfortunately. So, last question, and maybe this is a little bit about Leonard Fournette. How do you feel about the direction of this organization? What is your perception of Khan and the upper management? Do you believe that they are on the right path to success in the foreseeable future? As far as the direction of the organization as a whole, um, of course, we're having, uh, we woke up early Monday morning to an email from uh, the Jaguars PR department stating that they had released Leonard Fournette. Uh, and I, I initially thought it was some kind of mistake. Uh, maybe somebody had hacked into their emails um, because the timing of it was very, very interesting. Of course, it's now coming out that uh, they tried to shop him around and they had been trying to ship him out since the since around the draft and uh, were not able to make that happen. And uh, uh, 
a lot of the fan base is very upset because Leonard is incredibly popular in this fan base. And I think that shows with his very, very classy message that he put out on social media um, about his time here. Um, the issue is that because of the players that were drafted behind him, Christian McCaffrey, running back specifically, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, uh, Austin Eckler was an undrafted guy, Chris Carson, these names that have been uh, a lot more productive than he has been. Um, And then, of course, you throw in Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Deshaun Watson specifically a guy that we over the Jaguars wire were clamoring for, even when we had Blake Bortles, because we had never been uh, believers in Blake. Even in 2017, we had our doubts. But I think the, uh, the the issue came down to they were, I think it's going to come out later that they were a little tired of his act within the locker room um, and also the production on the field. Uh, you know, yeah, you look at his numbers last year, but it's, it's you can point out that if you take away some of the big runs that he had, specifically Denver and a couple of other games, um, he doesn't have a 1,000 rushing yard season. And yeah, he had 76 catches out of the backfield, but I've, I've been on record on our show saying that he had one of the most underwhelming good seasons that I've ever seen, honestly. And you see a lot of national pundits out there questioning this move, um, which goes to show us that you know a lot. Of, not a lot of people are paying attention to what's going on in Jacksonville, and, and I totally get it. We don't necessarily necessarily have mainstream appeal. Um, but that being said, I think they're very, very much sold on uh, their younger running backs that they have, and I think that. Um, as far as you bring in Chris Thompson, who of course is familiar with Jay Gruden, who is our new offensive coordinator. Uh, they like uh, Raquel Armstead, who they drafted. And they also have an undrafted running back, uh, James Robinson, um, who they're very, very excited about um, from Illinois State. Uh, a guy that I believe was expected to be drafted, and he did fall. Um, there, there is an episode we had a couple of weeks ago with Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network. Uh, I encourage you guys to go listen to that episode. He told a great story about James Robinson and Dave Caldwell and how his family, his wife, actually helped him uh, acquire James Robinson and get him to, uh, to to the team. It's a really, really great story. Um, there's a lot of um, a lot of doubt in, in terms of the upper management right now, specifically Shad Khan and Dave Caldwell, um, especially after this move. Um, of course, the news came out before all this COVID stuff happened that the Jaguars were going to be playing two games in London. And... Um, that, of course, sent the fan base into a frenzy. Uh, Mark Lamping, who was the president of operations here with the Jaguars, had made a statement. Uh, it may have been Tony uh, Shad Khan, actually, now that I think about it, where he said he didn't want to burden the fan base with an, with supporting an NFL team, uh, which, of course, sent everybody into a frenzy, myself included. Now, I try to keep the journalism and the fan thing separate for the most part. I'm sure you guys can understand that. However, there are certain parts where they come together and... Uh, to be to be quite frank it was it was absolutely ridiculous statement for him to make we showed that in 2017 if the team puts a winning product on the field we support the team and i think cleveland browns fans can really really um empathize and understand that point of view because if you put a winning product in the field that really helps pretty much everything um i i, I know that people are very very upset uh, we are going to of course get all eight home games but that's just by accident uh, because of covid Next year, it's probably going back to the way that it was. Um, there is this underlying theory that Shad Khan has been trying to move the team to London this entire time. Um, I don't really necessarily believe that because he has put in a lot of money into the stadium and the downtown area of Jacksonville. 
um, as far as additions. Um, of, of course, everyone knows about our pools, um, but they, you know, they put a lot of money into the world's largest scoreboards. They have a uh, concert venue called Daly's Place that is now uh, attached to the stadium, uh, where they're about to. Uh, they've started the re- the uh, construction on a very, very um, um, important project uh, called Lot J that has been in development for years as long as i think shot Khan has been here they've wanted to transform this area um, of jack's downtown jacksonville into this essentially epicenter um where of, of entertainment and bars i believe you guys have something very similar in cleveland it, it's escaping me right now somewhere near the basketball stadium um but uh they're, they're essentially trying to make that uh, the issue is that it, it needs to represent jacksonville as a whole and as a city, um, if we go there and it opens up and there's a freaking, you know, super chilies, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> you know, we don't we, we essentially don't want a glorified version of, you know, some mega mall, an outdoor mall. That's not what we want. It needs to be representative of the city and the culture and the people, which uh, which is very, very good. I, I encourage a lot of people to come to this town because we do have a lot to offer outside of a bad football team, believe it or not. Um, I, I think right now. It really depends on how this season goes because if Doug Marone is out, then I think the whole the whole thing gets a gets a reboot next year. A lot of people are assuming that we're going to start tanking for Trevor after this latest move. I don't see that as the case. I don't believe that tanking is a thing in general inside of the coaching and players um, inside of the locker room. Um, and now, as far as organizationally, maybe they feel a little bit differently. However. Players and coaches, you saw that last year with the Miami Dolphins with Tank Fertua. Those players and those coaches are, are not going to, they don't care about who's going to be there next year. They're playing for themselves right here, right now. Um, so I, I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. However, if they go out there and they have an abysmal season and they're picking in the top five again, and remember, we do have the, the Los Angeles Rams pick for the Jalen Ramsey trade. So again, a lot of maneuverability to maybe move up and get a guy like a Trevor Lawrence if they see fit. And what better way to bring in a top-notch coach, top-notch GM than dangling a top two, top three pick in front of them, along with a whole lot of draft capital. Um, I'm, I've, as of right now, definitely not happy with Shad Khan um, overall. <laughs> this is going to be a very, very important year for, for everybody, for the fan base, for the front office, for, for everybody involved. So we'll definitely see what happens. Bill, thank you so much for that look from a perspective we rarely see as Cleveland fans. I deeply appreciate you sharing that with our listeners here at Dogs by Nature Radio. Our guest is Phil Smith. He can be found at PhilTheFilipino on Twitter. Phil, while we have you here, do you have any parting thoughts? Just to wrap it up here, guys, again, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you very much for reaching out. I have always had kind of a... uh, an admiration from afar for for the Cleveland Browns just because of their the fan base has been through so much and it's I can definitely understand it from being a Jacksonville Jaguar fan a team that everybody is so quick to write off that's why 2017 was so incredibly magical um you know definitely looking forward to our matchup I know the teams have a little bit of a um an intense history with each other and of course the uh, the fan base in general but again I just I love the opportunity to come on to other shows and give everybody a little bit of insight into my team as I'm sure you guys 
gonna love that opportunity to share it with with other fan bases as well so uh, again um, we'll see what happens I, I think what really of course what's most important is that everybody uh, gets through this season safe and healthy you know you don't want to see anybody uh, of course get sick first and foremost but also develop any kind of long-lasting effects that may cause you know that may affect their career for an extended amount of time so of course that's the most important thing Uh, but i for one am very excited to have football back it's it's crazy to think that we're only a couple weeks away from it and uh but yeah again thank you guys so much for the opportunity again we're at believe in the jaguars podcast b-l-e-a-v um you can find me on all social media at phil the filipino f-i-l-i-p-i-n-o James Johnson, my co-host, is at sportsgrind underscore Dawn. You can tweet the podcast at Believe in Jags Pod. Uh, you can also find my other show, Wait the Wait For It Podcast, hosted by myself and Eric Cerna. You can find it at Wait For It Pod. Um, pretty much both those shows are anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. So again, I really, really appreciate you having me on. And um, yeah, let's let's work together again soon. You guys stay safe and stay healthy. Phil, thank you so much for this truly exceptional audio. This is superlative work out of Jacksonville. You've earned fans of us for 15 out of the 16 games this year. And we are definitely looking forward to hearing from you guys soon. Okay, so with that, we'll put this one in the books. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to make Dogs by Nature Radio a part of your day. Well, that was your dose of the straight truth. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I'm your host, Thelonious 7 on Dogs by Nature. Take care and go Browns. Most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.